Welcome to the Mogul Marathon Real Estate Podcast. We highlight keen investment insights and strategies so you can become a real estate mogul. Here's your host, Yannick Kujo Virgin. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Mogul Marathon Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Yannick Kujo Virgil. I'm super excited for our guest today. Our guest today is Keisha Kennedy. And Keisha is an Army veteran and founder of Kennedy Remedy Investments. And following her enlistment, she began investing in real estate in 2011 and has since transitioned into the world of multifamily investing in many states, both as an LP, limited partner, and, and a GP, a general partner, while currently living abroad in Kuwait. So today, her focus is on helping passive investors achieve generational wealth and financial freedom through multifamily real estate investing. Keisha, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm really excited. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for the invite. So let's jump into it. You know, give our listeners a quick backstory on who you are and how you got to where you are today. Yes, good question. So my father was in the military, so I'll start right there. Uh, Growing up as a child, I lived all over the world. So I was born in Germany. I am an American citizen. And we moved to Colorado, California, Virginia, Kentucky. And then he transitioned back to Germany. And so that's where I graduated high school. And his last duty assignment was in Richmond, Virginia, teaching ROTC at uh, University of Richmond and Virginia Commonwealth University. So I joined the Army National Guard and attended Virginia Commonwealth University so they can pay for my school because we were out-of-state tuition. I was considered out-of-state tuition. I didn't want to pay. And I joined the Army National Guard, deployed overseas, went back, graduated, came back to Kuwait as a contractor, got out the military, got some tax-free money, and that's when I started investing in real estate. So growing up as a child, I did see my father and my grandmother, they had property. So I was you know, watching them and, and seeing how they were managing property. And so I had some money saved aside when I was a contractor being overseas. And I said, I need to invest in something. And I went online, logged into Bank Foreclosed Homes back in 2011 and started investing that way. I was self-taught. No one, you know, sat me down and said, you need to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I figured it out. And I started out with my first home that I paid $29,000 for. It was built in 2010. I purchased it in 2011. It was a bank foreclosed home and rented that out to Section 8 at the time. And then the following year, I brought another house. The following year, I brought a duplex. I just continued that cycle. And so last year, I wanted to scale into multifamily, but this time I didn't want to figure it out on my own. So I educated myself. What did I do? Listen to podcasts, read books, joined networks, got into masterminds, found me a coach, and, and just went from there and started investing first as a limited partner in deals. And then from there, opportunities presented itself, and I was able to become a general partner on, on deals too. But I did invest in four deals prior to becoming a general partner. So that's a little bit about my backstory and how I got started. That's great. So at what point did you really decide and why did you decide that you wanted to get into commercial real estate? It seemed like you were doing your thing in the residential space and things were going well, but like what made you want to get into commercial real estate? Yes. And again, I'm doing all of this from living abroad in a country called Kuwait. So I really want to highlight that on this podcast 
to let you know that if I can invest from another country thousands and thousands of miles away, then you can too, both as an active investor and as a passive investor. So I decided to scale into multifamily last year because I realized there I can only get so far if I'm only investing in single family and duplexes. It is definitely a, a great business. It's a full-time job when you're being a landlord, right? It's hands-on. However, I wanted to scale and continue to build that generational wealth and leave a legacy for my future family. And I found out that it's much easier and wiser to build a team, a partnership, and then you can scale together, right? We're bringing our expertise and our experience and pulling it together. So general partners, we wear different hats. So you might be a general partner, you might be a deal finder, or you might be raising capital or doing due diligence, boots on the ground, asset managed. So there are different roles where you come together in a partnership. So I realized, man, there's a smarter way to do things, right? I thought that it was just one person out here purchasing these big buildings, but it's multiple investors that are pulling their resources together, capital, experience, and taking down these deals. So I said, I want to be a part of that. And um, it took off from there, all the way from Kuwait. And that's great that you were able to have such success quickly in the multifamily space. And you're absolutely right. Having a team is so, so crucial. I mean, especially, I mean, you know, 100% from being abroad, right? It's, you have to have some sort of team managing that entire process. You mentioned that, you know, from a deal finding perspective, underwriting deals, managing the business plan, it is a ton of work. So that's great that you were able to achieve success. And it seems like it, it can be challenging investing abroad, right? Because you have to rely on your team and you have to rely on people making decisions on your behalf, not only your behalf, but your investors. Like, how are you mitigating risk from that process from investing abroad? I'm, I'm curious about that. Yes. Um, again, I, when I started in real estate, I was abroad. When I was starting in the single family and in the duplexes, and it's all about teamwork. So when I was on that level, single family homes, duplexes, I was relying on my parents. And of course, I, I trust my parents, right? So when I scaled into multifamily, I had to build those relationships over time, right? It's just like a marriage. You have to make sure that you like, know, and trust that person instead of just jumping in and doing business and, and writing a check, right? It did take some time to build those relationships over time. Um, and then once I felt comfortable, I was able to move forward with doing business with them because it's in my best interest to, one, protect myself and then also, to protect my investors because my investors are investing in the deal with me because they like, know, and trust me. And so I have to do my due diligence and do the same. So, of course, it goes back to old school, asking for references, you know, asking about their experience and their failures and seeing how transparent that they are with me because I'm very full transparent with my investors. There's no need to sugarcoat. And, I, and we definitely share the good, the bad and the ugly because that's how you build a lifetime investor. That's how you get those referrals. That's how you build your credibility. So it does take time. As we always say, this is a marathon and not a sprint. And so I'm believing in the process. I'm trusting in the process. This is a challenging market right now. However, just be patient and you will reach your goals, even from Kuwait. <laughs> yeah. I love it when you said that this business is a marathon, not a sprint, because Building relationships takes time. Raising capital takes time. Building that investor base takes time. So 
when you want to do those bigger deals and get into the world of real estate, private equity, you have to be long-term goal oriented because success is not going to happen overnight in this space. I'm sure that you've spent a lot of time like building that investor base, building those relationships and building those systems to be successful overseas. And it's just all about being long-term. And then the second thing that I really like about what you said is just being transparent with your investor base. That is so, so important because things happen in real estate that you, you're going to have to tell your investors. And sometimes it's not going to be good news, but you know, bad news does not age well. And when you're able to have that transparency up front and throughout the entire deal process, you're building those relationships that can last a lifetime because people just want to do business that they know that someone's got their back if something goes wrong. Absolutely. Um, We actually did an educational webinar yesterday, and I like to highlight that one of the investors uh, had mentioned, hey, I want to partner with you as a general partner. And I went back to that step one relationships. You know, I want to get to know you. I want to see what value can you bring to the table and what value I can add to you. So it's not that you can just hop on a call with me and say, hey, we're going to do business. It goes back to relationships, relationships, relationships and communication. Yeah. So true, because when you're bringing your own network and your investor base to the deal, I mean, that's those can be people who you've developed already lifetime relationships and you don't want to mess that up investing in some with someone that you don't know, that you don't know their character. You don't know what's their true track record because they can be pretend experience in this space. And that's so important with performing due diligence and building those relationships up front so you can have that trust to invest, you know, with and and bring your investors into the deal as well. Absolutely. Because we know bad news gets around really fast, right? (laughs) Yeah. Especially in this business. Yeah. And your name is all you have. So. This business is really, really small, man. Commercial real estate is just a small bite of real estate in general. And when you get into specific niches, a lot of times you run into people who are at different conferences that know other people that you may have transacted with. And like you said, it's bad news moves quickly. So definitely you want to keep your uh, your face clean in this business. Absolutely. So what is your due diligence process like? Do you have a structured due diligence process on checking the boxes with different operators that you may partner up with? You know, walk me through that process. Yes, good question. So I like to highlight that my role as a general partner is to attract capital. I like to use that word attract and not raise capital because I'm not I'm not raising money. I'm not doing a GoFundMe account, right? What I'm doing is I'm educating, inspiring, and motivating potential investors. And so that's how I get my investor, my investor database and list going. But as far as partnering up with general partners, it goes back to them. Uh, in our relationships that we have built over time, right? Um, as far as due diligence, I am definitely checking the box and making sure that their underri- underwriting makes sense. And if in, if I have any questions, that is also part of the due diligence. And I need to be able to get on a phone, get on a Zoom, ask them to walk me through and why they got the numbers that they got so I can ensure that this is a good deal. So I'm looking at the market. I'm looking at the household income, the median income. I'm looking at what is transpiring over time in that area. Where will I see it in the next five, 10 years? Is the rent below market rent? Um, How can they add value? Can you execute the business plan? Those are some of the questions that I need to ask. You know, look at the exit cap rate and 
ask all the questions that I can. And if they can't be transparent with me, then it's definitely a problem. But I'm also looking at the co-star reports, doing my comps as well. I'm basically underwriting the deal as if I am the main sponsor on the deal. And then go from there and go to the general partnership team and ask them, hey, X, Y, and Z, how did you get there? And we go from there. But if they don't want to be transparent and open with me, then that's the type of people that I do not want to do business with. And of course, I always ask if they have a full cycle and who else is on the team, especially if they don't have any experience. That's putting my investors at definitely at a high risk. Totally agree. It is all about transparency and if I'm partnering up with someone and they're not willing to share it, something simple as the pro forma, that is a red flag for me because it's <laughs> easy to financially engineer these deals and make things look really shiny in a spreadsheet. But how is it going to actually perform in real life? And yes. I can't imagine, you know, investing from abroad, you have to have some sort of framework as to how you're evaluating sponsors that you're partnering up with. Because you're investing from abroad, it's almost like the ultimate risk, but you are able to mitigate that by having a specific process that you've shown to be successful with in this marketplace today. Yes. And I also like to highlight, I also do a background check. I think a lot of people fail to do that. I think that's very important in addition to doing your due diligence with the deal and the underwriting and those relationships. But a part of the relationship is also a background check they don't want to do a background check, then guess what? That's not the person that I want to do business with. Yeah. As you mentioned earlier, um, you can meet a lot of people that are imposters on social media and put up a good front. But at the end of the day, this is about business and transparency. I love that. It's public knowledge too. You know, (laughs) I live in Maryland and I'm always on the Maryland judiciary case search (laughs) because, uh, you, you know, you just never know who you're partnering up with. And when you're raising, you know, millions of dollars of capital and the SEC doesn't play at all, when there's a problem, they're going to investigate. So you've got to make sure that your team is super, super solid. I really love that you're able to take due diligence to the next level. So absolutely. I have to, like you mentioned, I'm, I'm all the way in Kuwait. So I have to be mindful um, of what I'm doing to execute a business plan and especially bringing on my investors. Because like I said earlier, your name is all you have and bad news travels fast. A lot of golden nuggets there. So how are you able to overcome some questions that your investors might pose to you about investing overseas? Obviously, they trust you as a person. They know that you are a person of integrity. They know that you have boxes checked. But, you know, what do you lean on to attract that capital, to get, you know, your investors to commit capital with you, you know, and and maybe you've struggled with some things earlier on in your real estate career, specifically when you started raising capital. But talk about like, you know, some things that you've been able to overcome through questions that other investors or investors that are partnering up with you rather may pose to you before they commit capital to your company. Yes, absolutely. So I believe in education. Um, As I mentioned earlier, when I first started in real estate, I was self-taught, figured out as I went along. But when I came in the commercial space, I got educated. So I'm actually a part of three masterminds because I believe in learning, growing, and scaling. And so I can leverage my coaches and my mentors because they are actually advisors in my deals, right? And so I can leverage their experience and their expertise and say, hey, if you don't believe in the team, we we have also our advisors and they're putting up their capital 
to protect this asset. So as far as beginning to raise capital, there was a big mindset shift that I had to overcome because as I mentioned earlier, I felt as though I was asking for money, but that's not the case. I'm attracting capital to these deals. I have to look at this as an investment opportunity, which it is. Uh, We are presenting our investors an investment opportunity. And so, yes, we do get a lot of questions and I have to realize that I'm not going to know all the answers to those questions. You know, I started in April, 2021. We have a partnership team, right? And so we have someone that is a master underwriter so that they can answer all those questions when it comes to numbers. We have someone on my team that's an engineer. So she loves uh, numbers and answering those questions. I love speaking to investors and educating them. So I have to realize that Keisha, I will not know all of the answers, but guess what? I can refer them to my partner or we can get on a call with one of my partners and we can walk through those questions together. So the first raise, I didn't raise that much, but guess what? I completed a raise, right? And then the second raise, I raised a little bit more and just continued the process. It was definitely a big mindset shift. You always have to remember that you are one step ahead of someone else and that you will not know all of the answers. And of course, new investors, they're going to have a thousand questions, a hundred questions, and you have to be there to answer those questions. And if you don't know the answer, again, you find out the answer. You know, you have to rely on your team. And you're doing a really, really good job within your firm from leveraging your teammates, leveraging partnerships to position yourself as not only the authority from an educational perspective, but also position yourself well to be successful, surrounded by the partnerships that you've created to be successful in deals that you guys are currently doing in the marketplace today. And I think that is the best way to help investors understand that the deal isn't the most important thing. It's the team that's most important because you can have a really good deal, but if your team can't execute it, if you're not surrounded by people who can actually do what they say, then nothing matters. The deal really doesn't matter. Absolutely. It's just like playing football, right? (laughs) The analogy of football. You have a team, but if you don't know your plays and execute correctly, then you're not going to get that win at the end of the day. And I had this conversation, not to go off, but I had a conversation with someone about, you know, is basketball harder than football? And football is much harder because it's 11 on 11 and versus five versus five in basketball. It's much easier when you have less people in the kitchen versus 11 people. But, you know, in the world of football, you have to have everyone on the same page. And, you know, you have your quarterback who's the leader and it's kind of, you know, synonymous to, you know, the lead sponsor. But the point is, is that you really have to have everyone on the same page and you have to have people in certain positions that they're good at to be successful as well. Hey, listen up. If you're an employee, business owner or professional athlete with money in the bank earning zero percent return and you're thinking about passively investing in real estate, Well, you need to check out our ultimate syndication guide for passive investors. This free guide absolutely covers everything you need to know about passively investing in real estate syndication or just real estate in general. If you want access to this valuable resource, go to MerlinAcquisitions.com slash passive guide to download the free syndication guide for passive investors. That's M-E-R-L-Y-N-N acquisitions.com slash passive guide or head over to the show notes and click the link to download. Now let's get back to the show. 
So what strategies are you using today to raise capital from abroad? You mentioned the educational piece, and I would imagine that obviously you live in Kuwait, right? So you're not able to meet people in person or have those uh, coffee dates maybe in person. How are you successfully raising capital today? Yes, that's a good question. So I'll be honest, my first investor came from LinkedIn, social media presence, educating, inspiring, and motivating. And so because my first investor came from LinkedIn and he actually invested 125000 I was like, OMG, I couldn't believe it. But I was like, man, this process works. I don't have to pay for ads and just continue to educate online. And so that's how I've been pulling my investor database, also with my lead magnet, doing educational webinars, the ebook, also podcast tours, getting on calls with these investors, just spending some time answering questions, doing a lot of one-on-one. So I spend a lot of my time in meetings. So currently I'm actually going to start a meetup here in Kuwait. So I need to leverage my network. I need to leverage my location um, and also uh, get a broader reach other than just Zoom meetings and then in the States. So here I do have a couple of investors that are fellow uh, military contractors and veterans that have invested in my deals. So I believe that there is something here and I just need to continue to build on that. I have built some credibility here and a lot of people know that I invest in real estate. So I just have to put some time in, start my meetup, which I plan on doing the middle of next month. So I'm really excited to give back to the community. You know, I come from a military background. My why is to help as many veterans as possible in the armed forces and also minorities. So I believe that I'm definitely going to be able to leverage here. But my main source of getting um, investors is through social media, email, and uh, phone calls on Zoom meetings. Yeah. And referrals. Can't forget that now. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I love the way that you positioned yourself to attract capital because raising capital is one thing. Like you mentioned, you know, you're raising capital for a new business, you know, you're raising capital for this new venture, but real estate is a tried and true way to create financial freedom and generational wealth. And you are just attracting capital from different outlets. You mentioned podcasting, social media, uh, webinars that you hold. I mean, different ways to attract capital that are interested in investing with you and your company to achieve that same goal that you're helping people do today. And leveraging your network is really important when doing that as well. And like you mentioned, the referrals aspect to it is super important. You know, I always ask my investors, hey, do you know two to three people that would benefit from this opportunity? Or do you know two to three people that have the same mindset that you do? Because the reality is people hang with the same people who have the same mindset like themselves. And if your investors are interested in generational wealth and financial freedom and have the understanding that they have to put their money to work in inflationary environments, there's more than likely that they have resources or they have referrals that they can refer to you for other people that have the same mindset. Absolutely. The best compliment is from a referral, right? People say, oh, you did a good job, but the referrals will pay it forward you'll get a greater return. And it's just fulfilling to know that I'm helping someone else reach their goals. And then I'm also helping their friends reach their goals. And the cycle just repeats itself, right? It's it's a full circle. So absolutely right. 
Yeah, it's it's like that infinite wheel of attracting capital from just yes. referrals on referrals on referrals. Really good yes, stuff. Yes, yes. And let me tell you, prior to Kennedy Remedy Investments, I did have a fitness business and I was paying for ads. And now I don't even pay for ads and I'm getting way more leads than I was previously in my other business. And it's all from social media, whether it's Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Snapchat, you name it, I'm on it. You can find me because a lot of people might not use Instagram. They might only use Facebook and vice versa or LinkedIn. So there are multiple ways to start your investor database. The hardest part is just getting started. And once you start, the investors will come to you. You won't have to raise capital. They will come to you. Trust me. Yeah. And I think the the thing is just being consistent too. And cross-pollinating your message across different platforms is really important too. Because if you're posting on Instagram, you might as well post on Facebook and you might as well post on LinkedIn. And if you, you know, if you want to post on TikTok, then you can post on TikTok too. But the goal is to have that mindset. Like I really need to just scream out what I'm doing right now. And I think when you have that mindset, you start attracting the people that you really want uh, in your business. Yeah. People don't know what you're doing unless you tell them. Right. So you, you have to, like you said, be consistent, come up with a schedule, do batch recording or do batch posts on the weekend and then post for that following week. But just do it. I, I get a lot of people, you know, they'll come up to me and say, well, how do you do all your posts? Some days I don't feel like posting. But guess what? At the end of the day, like you said, consistency always wins. Just like you're trying to yeah. lose weight. Right. So you have to be consistent so you can attract that capital and reach your goals and get that generational wealth and help other investors win, too. Yeah. Consistency is really important. About once or twice a month is when I kind of batch create my, the content. And like you said, just scheduling the content out, because when you're in real estate, sometimes you don't have time to, to record content. You know, you have time to close deals and attract the capital and actually do deals in this business. But definitely having a way that's systematized to streamline the content is super, super important there. Absolutely. Well said. So let's transition into deals. And it's really tough to find deals in today's market. The Fed is raising rates to combat inflation. And we're hearing a lot of talk about how the Fed is mimicking policies from the 80s to combat inflation. And it's really hard to find good deals in today's market. I'm seeing a lot of deals where it's negative leverage going in year one. It can be frustrating, but how are you looking at, you know, deals today and specifically interest rates today, you know, and how are you having those conversations with your investors to still be interested in investing in real estate today? Yes, good question. So it's definitely a challenging market with the interest rates, right? Our strategy is to basically right now work with the seller and go direct to seller. And so that has definitely been beneficial. It has slowed down tremendously because of the interest rates. Um, We closed a deal in July. And so what we're now in the month of September and it's definitely, we have seen a hike, but we have someone, and this goes back to partnerships, right? Everyone has a role. So we have someone on the team that does direct to seller campaign and has a drip campaign out and they do phone calls and letter writing and et cetera, to get direct to seller, to cut out the middleman, to cut out the broker. So you're, you're not getting that broker fee. And then also the second option is always seller financing. So once you get direct to seller, you can negotiate terms, especially if a seller is trying to 
offload his asset and is in a bad predicament, you can leverage that. And so that is our strategy for the time being. Cut out the middleman, direct to seller, and do seller financing to mitigate those high interest rates. I think now more than ever is a great time to go off market because it's like you said, it's hard to get deals to pencil in today's environment. And when you have a broker that is in between, things can get complicated and you can't necessarily negotiate the best deal. And I think now more than ever is time to find a way to make deals pencil the right way. And like you said, utilizing other creative ways to make deals happen, like seller financing, which is really great. Assuming the mortgage is is great as well, if the numbers make sense from an interest rate perspective and the terms are placed well. You know, one thing about our business is we, that's how we make money, right? We do deals, we attract capital, and we close on them to make money in this business. And when things get tough, you really just have to go into your toolbox and find different ways to make these deals pencil. Yeah, creative strategies and look at opportunities that other people have definitely overlooked. So that's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally agree. Agree 100%. So what I'm doing is I'm also looking at you know, some development opportunities in areas that may be primarily retail. It might be one small, you know, freestanding building on a ton of land that's zoned commercial and finding some of those opportunities that maybe, hey, Instead of buying stabilized buildings, maybe we can build. Maybe it might make sense to build. So I think now more than ever is really important to peel back the layers on a lot of deals and and just open up your pipeline and look at everything because sometimes you can find a deal out of something that might not look like a deal on paper, but the fact that you are um, educated enough in real estate and you have those tools in your toolbox to make different deals happen really important in today's environment. Absolutely. I always find opportunity in in everything. (laughs) Yeah. So tell me about a time when you were stuck and frustrated in your journey. Maybe you had to go through a breakthrough moment to develop some systems and, and processes. You know, maybe our listeners are going through the same struggle, but tell me a time in your real estate journey that you kind of had to break through a moment to get to the other side to get to where you are today? Yeah, I'll go back to my when I first started investing in real estate, uh, single family homes, continue to buy bank foreclosed homes. And then one year I said, hey, I want to flip a house. I wasn't educated. I ended up getting a hard money loan. And the deal took a long time. The property took a while to sell. And so I was stuck paying the, the points and the interest rate. And um, I was stuck. I was I was in a bad place at you know years ago. At that moment, but I had to overcome that and make it work. You know, I had to take out a loan and I had to do what I had to do, right? It wasn't a glorious day or glorious time at that time. I thought I could figure it out just like I was doing with the landlording, but that was the wrong mindset. But one thing I didn't do was I didn't give up and I just continued to go on, finish out the project, and list the property. And I went through like three realtors. And after the third realtor, I was able to sell the property. And that was a lot of valuable lessons learned there. And that was my first house that I flipped and my last house that I flipped. But that would be the biggest uh, breakthrough that I went through as far as investing in real estate, trying to do as I see on HGTV. That was the wrong answer. (laughs) 
Yeah, I don't think anybody has, you know, had any uh, success following exactly what HDTV says because <laughs> they never tell you the true story behind what really happened behind the deal. In this business, you're going to have your trials and tribulations. You're going to have your challenges. You're going to have things that are not going to go according to plan. But that is really how you build your stripes in the real estate business is pushing through those obstacles and then taking a step back and learning from them and putting in systems and processes that you can use to not make the same mistake twice. Because you already went through the pain once, you know, you don't want to suffer again. And so it would behoove you to create those systems and really take a step back and and understand like what really happened. Because it's so crucial to really just take a look at your mistakes and understand that, you know, this is just part of the process and everyone goes through their trials and tribulations, but the way that you come out of it is how it's going to define you and your career moving forward. Absolutely. And that's another reason why I got educated this time when I switched or well scaled up to multifamily commercial. I learned a lot of lessons in the single family space, in the residential space, and I did not want to reinvent the wheel, like they say. I wanted to get, you know, the best advice from the best coaches in the commercial real estate space and move forward successfully and not have a lot of valuable lessons that I'm writing in my journaling process. That's so crucial. And that's I'm always I'm a fan of mentorship. I'm a fan of hiring someone to help you navigate through different speed bumps and different bumps throughout the road because it's either either you're going to pay for it in money or you're just going to pay someone to teach you how to do it at a high level so you're not paying as much if you were to try it and do it all yourself and run into issues that you could have controlled if you were just to find someone else that was more educated to actually teach you the process. Absolutely. So what is your secret sauce today? You know, why are you and how are you able to be successful today? What's your secret sauce? My secret sauce is my why. Um, My why is to help as many veterans, help as many minorities. And also looking back where I started in 2011 with that first home that I mentioned earlier, $29,500 and look at where I'm at today. And so that's my motivation. I really believe in goal setting, time blocking. Behind this computer, I have a vision board. So I walk past that vision board on a daily basis. And that's a daily reminder to keep moving forward, no matter what obstacles and adversities that we face. Continue to move forward and look at the end goal and look at how far you've come, right? So I have a picture of my first house and I have a picture of the first LP limited partnership that I invested in. So again, it goes back to my why. And also I want to leave a legacy for my future family and build that generational wealth and be a leader in this world and impact lives. So that is my why. And I'm going to continue to strive forward. That's powerful. You have to have a strong why in this business because it can be rough sometimes. And honestly, if you're not going through things throughout your business, you're really not doing anything. It might come off um, a little bit strong to some people, but the point is that when you're really trying and you're giving it your all and you're doing everything possible, like you're going to have some roadblocks in this business. But the way that you push through them is like you said, you fall back on your why. Why are you doing this? You look at your vision board every single day to, to remind yourself that, hey, I'm in this because I do not want to do this again. Or I'm in this because I want to do this with my life. Or I'm in this because I have goals of accomplishing this. And 
it's really, really important to have a strong why to keep pushing forward in the real estate business. Absolutely. Yes. And I'm a believer too. So I live by the the five F's, like I call it. So faith is first, second is family, third is fitness. I love to work out. I'm a bodybuilder. Fourth is finances. And then fifth is financial freedom. So I'm always trusting God and, and God will lead me down the, the right path and build those relationships with the right partnerships as well. That's awesome. So give our listeners a little bit uh, more information Tell our listeners today where they can find uh, your beginner's guide to investing as a limited partner. Yes, absolutely. It's a short read. It can be found on my website. So Kennedy, like the president, KennedyRemedyInvestments.com backslash guide. That's great. And definitely go check that out. I know that she's put a lot of effort and time in packaging this guide for anyone that's interested in investing in real estate and commercial real estate and educating them at a high level to make such investments to their benefit. So I know there's some good stuff there. So Keisha, if our listeners are interested in following what you're doing in the real estate space, what's the best way for our listeners to follow you and get in touch with you and your company? Yes. I love investor relations, like I mentioned earlier, right? So feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn Keisha Kennedy, K-E-I-S-H-I-A. Also on the website uh, is KennedyRemedyInvestments.com. You can find the business on Facebook. I told you I'm everywhere. Kennedy Remedy Investments. And then also on my website, you can uh, scroll down. I believe it's about us or contact us and you can book a call with me. That's perfect. Well, Keisha, thank you so much for being a guest on our show today. We talked a lot about attracting capital, finding the right partnerships, your journey from starting off in residential to commercial real estate, investing abroad. There were a ton of nuggets that we discussed today. So I'm really happy that we had a chance to for you to be on the show today. So thank you so much for being a guest on our show. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in to today's episode of the Mogul Marathon Real Estate Podcast. Let's take action and be great today. And remember, Real estate is a marathon, not a sprint. Run your own race. Thanks again, Keisha. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.